Ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing? Welcome to a uh, uh, fuck this week edition of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. Um, if you are new to the podcast, uh, I do one episode, usually once a week, maybe once every fortnight, where it's just me. You know, I go over the headlines. Um, I sort of give you my uh, my takeaways, my, my gut feels for things. Um, and we try to make sense of the senseless together. So um, I, I basically, I started calling it fuck this week because like I wanted to call it mother fuck this week. You know, like it's um, like it's just been so bizarre and obscure and depressing uh, that we're just done with it. And it, do you know what? It started off on a Friday as a way of sort of, you know, like if a, if a podcast guest pulled out last minute and I couldn't find a replacement uh, then it was like a, like a way of still getting uh, an episode out there. But now, like, I quite like them. I quite sort of, like, I, I quite enjoy taking to task some of these topics um, on my own and then uh, reading your tweets back and reading some comments. And um, by all means, if you have a takeaway from my takeaways, uh, then, you know, get in touch. I'm I'm always willing to be educated. So if I get something wrong, tell me that I've been a twat, by all means. Um, even if I don't get something wrong, you can tell me I've been a twat by all means still. Um, and the last week has been, has been what tumultuous as fuck. It's been an incredibly volatile period for prime minister Boris Johnson. Um, I don't think anyone, like, do you remember back in the day when people used to say, Oh, I don't like politics. It's boring. And, uh, (laughs) and now I feel like, so many people have been radicalised across the left, the far left and the far right. Uh, I almost feel like we're at a point now where we need... like Somebody needs to go on the TV and go, we need to find a way to get people less engaged in politics, you know? Like, there was always the goal to get people more engaged. Now it's like, can we just have one fucking Christmas meal where it doesn't erupt into a massive fucking violent row about Brexit or immigrants or, you know... Everyone's a fucking expert on trade deals and shit now. Um, but the last week has been has been particularly uh, tumultuous and, and volatile. Um, obviously, we had the uh, the leak of the Allegra Stratton video. Uh, you know, a lot has been said about this already. Um, I think we knew that something was coming because they weren't. <laughs> they started off like kind of not really denying it they were saying like yeah there there was a party but well there was a gathering but you know blah 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 you know sort of doing their best to sort of dismiss it and water it down and then that changed to no no there was no party um and then it was just this sort of continuous pivoting from this terminology to that terminology and then eventually this fucking video leaks out of them like laughing about how it wasn't socially distanced and uh you know all, all the while you know, your gran or your grandfather or dad or, or you know, brother or sister is in a hospital fucking ward dying alone and you can't get to see them to hold their hand on their way out um, because of social distancing. And meanwhile, these fucking Tories are in number 10 doing the fucking conga down Downing Street, knocking back bottles of Moe. It's, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a visceral, angry reaction and so to then see that video come out, everyone, including me, like everyone was sort of like, well, this is it then. He's toast <laughs> because he's gone on record for the last week saying he's going to, you know, th- there was no party or, you know, if there were parties, then th- then X, Y, Z. And, and then out comes this video clearly acknowledging that there was some sort of party. And I was sat there on tenterhooks. I think that must have been the most viewed episode of Prime Minister's Questions for a considerable time. Uh, and uh, and I thought, how the fuck is he going to get himself out of this? You know, like, this is smoking gun territory. And he goes up and he says, well, I, I was I was as angry at the video as you were. Like, that was the that, that's that's what's amazing about this is, you know, here you've got, as I say, this smoking gun video. Um, and they've had what, like 16 hours since they leaked it? Because it was leaked on the Tuesday afternoon. They had about 16 hours uh, to to come up with an... Ex- fuck that. They had a year. It was a year since the actual event. So they've had a year to come up 
with a, an all right excuse or a like recourse that they could come up with to dig themselves out. If, should this ever leak? Should this ever get out that this is what we were up to in 10 Downing Street while everyone else was in tier three and tier four restrictions? A year to come up with an excuse. And the best they could do <laughs> was... Well, I was as shocked as you were, you know? <laughs> it's like something out of an episode of The Simpsons. It's like, you know, Mayor Quimby, what, what have you got to say for yourself? This fucking house full of hookers and gack. And it's like, oh, well, uh, you know, I don't need to do a Mayor Quimby impression. You get the idea. Um, and you know what's, what's strange about all of this is the, the contrast in the way that the British media uh, treats the the scapegoat if you like um so the face of this uh this scandal was allegra stratton now everyone was very angry at the idea of these christmas parties everyone was um felt like they had been taken for fools but at, at that stage before that video leaked out there was no face to put to it and i said this on a tiktok last week in the same way that with the credit crunch with the global financial crisis in the UK, there wasn't a like a bad, you know, a good versus evil story to tell people, which is what the everyday person wants. They just want good versus bad until Sir Fred Goodwin came along and then he became the face of the financial crisis in a British context. And so he was pilloried and, you know, there was calls for him to lose his... He may have lost his, uh, his knighthood, I think, stripped of his knighthood. Um... And uh, and in in a very, very similar way, you know, this is something that everyone was very, very angry about for, for good reasons. Uh, and now they had a face to it and Allegra Stratton fit the bill. But all you get with Allegra Stratton or indeed a Dominic Cummings or a Patterson is a sort of uh, faux contrite figure in front of their house reading a prepared statement. Um, you don't get in the same way that like, Diane Abbott, lover or hater, all she fucking did was drink a mojito on a train. <laughs> it's not, it's not a big crime, and yet it felt like it was. She was pilloried, like she was mocked and ridiculed. Um, you know, like I, I was joking last last Wednesday, which is sorry, it would have been Tuesday. Uh, I was like, well, Allegra Stratton better pray she's not pictured drinking a mojito on the way home after this video's leaked because if (laughs) if she's pictured drinking a cocktail on public transport she really is fucking finished um and the the irony of this to to me was that she was picked she was hired that role that she was you know constructing faux press conferences for which was what that video was of it was a, a a prepared sort of fake press conference where they would go through lines that they might be thrown at by the press and then she would construct sort of retorts responses for the prime minister to throw back at these people actually no it was for her wasn't it It wasn't even for the pm it was like she was going to be the the spokesperson for the prime minister so he would no longer face scrutiny basically in in a public forum in that way um and she was hired to do that because boris johnson looks fucking shit like he goes, he gets up on these uh, these press conferences and these COVID updates, and they ask him questions, and he fumbles, and oh, maybe I could pass over to Chris Witty, if you will, if you will, thank you. Like that's his his vibe. Is he just stutters and fucks shit up and and fumbles and blethers, and the idea of bringing in this sort of professional journalist slash communicator, his. It, 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 like she was supposed to make him look good <laughs> and lo and behold like how's how the fuck has that pa- panned out like yeah mr johnson we can we hire someone in to make you look a bit better oh yeah absolutely let's uh let's bring someone in that um that treats the general public with contempt and laughs at them while their their relatives are dying that that sounds like a yeah i mean in, in a sort of weird way it kind of does make them look better. Like that, that's when as a Tory, you have to ask yourself serious questions about like if somebody laughing at my dead relatives makes me look better. Whoa. <laughs> where, where do I actually sit in, in the grand scheme of things? Uh, I don't know, man. Like that last week's PMQs and, and the days after it, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about bringing in 
we have brought in now plan B restrictions. Um, but I don't know how you can take any government restrictions seriously at this stage in the in the electoral cycle after there's been so many broken promises and they've constructed these rules that as soon as they get busted breaking them themselves then they get diluted to being guidelines and then as soon as they break the guidelines then it's just like well you know i think we this was within the rules but this other thing was an exception and i think we could all understand he was a loving father who only just had blah blah but you know they were all working hard in number 10 down Street. you know so once you've been through this rigmarole like two or three times how the fuck are you going to believe anything that these people say like how how can they be busted throwing secret parties at number 10 that absolutely break the law not guidelines and then when they say we're gonna to have to bring in plan b like it's like they're, they're saying okay plan b is uh, sorry i burnt your house down i'll look into that but anyway you're all forbidden from playing with matches that's kind of how it comes across. It's like, yes, we broke the, the law and the rules and um, completely sabotaged the trust between the general public and government in terms of leadership and, uh, uh, and governing. Um, but please trust us on this next thing. You're going to have to stick to the rules on this next thing that we definitely won't stick to the rules ourselves. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. So, like, I've been saying, like, the last couple of days, I hope that the majority of Conservative MPs um, regardless of whether they credit Johnson with having won their own seat, I hope that they understand that from a public health perspective, uh, there is zero chance of the general public adhering or observing uh, to, to public health direction while Boris Johnson is in number 10 Downing Street. It is that that trust has been completely decimated. Nobody's going to believe him if he comes out and says it's now plan C or it's tier four or we have some, you know, tier five or we're going to reintroduce bubbles and you can only meet six people outside of your hat, blah, blah, blah. Uh, nobody's going to fucking pay any attention. People have had enough of this fucking nonsense. And look, I, I look at this like a public health thing. I, I'm trying so hard to separate Johnson's dishonesty and incompetence from the urgency of public health when there is a new variant that comes out but it's they're making it so fucking hard like when when somebody like boris johnson comes out the front of 10 downing street and says look i know that we've not had the best track record of advising you and governing and asking for you to comply with blah 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 um but it's really important now more than ever that you know to reduce strain on the nhs that you just give it one final put like everyone's gonna go fuck you it's christmas i didn't see my family last year you broke the rules your staff then laughed at us all so go fuck yourself like that's that is the consensus i feel confident in saying even as somebody who sits on the left of of the landscape i feel confident saying that that is a consensus shared across left and right of the british public now politically so in many ways, maybe we should credit Boris Johnson with uniting Britain. I don't know. Um, what do you guys think is next for Boris Johnson? Because there's a lot to be said about the, like, there's these forces of maybe trying to eject him from power now. Um, there were there were rumours yesterday floating around on Twitter, um, although it was from like Politics for All, which I don't know if any of you are familiar with that account, but I think it's run by the same person that runs the Spectator's social accounts. So I never know if it's biased or not biased, or if it's just all like... It, sometimes it comes across as incredibly clickbaity, uh, which makes me go, eh, you know, what, am I really buying into this? But according to them yesterday... There were circulating like efforts and papers with names on of people who were now making a concerted effort to start gathering like votes of no confidence names and and so on. So we could be in the home stretch now in terms of ejecting him from power. Um, my fear is that in ejecting him from power, that a British electorate who have over the last 10, 12 years been willing to look the other way in terms of the, the frankly monstrous policy that the Conservatives have implemented. We're talking about, you know, not just not just COVID. We're talking 
you know, the years of austerity, we're talking um, Brexit, we're talking a re- like the refusal to acknowledge the downsides of Brexit, even as they appear day by day, week by week, all around us. Um, we, and, and, and indeed, we are talking about COVID in addition to those things. But a general public, but like my fear is that a general public that's looked the other way on all of those things and who actually only really seem to care about secret Christmas parties. Like that's the thing that's moved the dial and second jobs um, is this feeling of like being taken for fools. My fear is that once they position a new leader in the Conservative Party, once they boot Johnson out and there's a brand new leader, that the electorate will misinterpret that as some sort of fresh start. They'll just go like, oh, you know, thank God we got rid of that monster. Oh, he was he was trouble, wasn't he? Anyway, right, right, we got a fresh start now, clean slate with Prime Minister Raab. Like, it's just, like, you just want to shake people and go like, no, 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 this is not a fresh start. This is the same fucking party. It, it actually makes... I mean, to to some extent, John, Johnsonism, if that's a word, uh, does reflect a, a a sort of, you know, authoritarianism at the top. Absolutely. He doesn't seem to have much of an issue in terms of stripping people of their citizenship. Uh, you know, his, his so-called libertarianism doesn't seem to extend particularly far or further than his own uh, wish to just be left the fuck alone to live his life as, as he wants it. But in terms of criminalising protest, in terms of threatening journalists with 10-year jail terms for embarrassing the government, not even doing anything legally against the government, just embarrassing them, in terms of um, trying to overhaul the judicial process of holding the government to account so that the government can just do whatever the fuck they like. In, in terms of all of these things, that that is Johnsonism, or it's certainly been signed off by him, but the, the actual Conservative Party, as it is now, is going to be okay with those things because they know that they can get away with it now. So the idea of sort of placing a new face on the front of that and then thinking, oh, well, that's it. That's that horrible period over is fantasy. It's it really feels like it's genie out of the bottle kind of territory now that we're in. And my fear is that so let's say we get Rob or Patel in the hot seat uh, and most of the electorate go, OK, well, things should be a bit more settled now. You know, they've got a, a stronger track record. They don't have a track record of, you know, lying to their, and being fired by their bosses and. Uh, cheating on their wives and so on so now that's it everything's settled and i i my heart sinks because i know that that's where the the british electorate will be like as soon as they position a new leader in the tory party the dial will move back to where it was before and it will be 39 percent labor 40 percent conservatives we'll be back in like hung parliament territory the only thing that might change that is this sort of new approach that Labour and Lib Dem appear to have adopted, which you may or may not have read about in Ian Dunt's tweet uh, threads. Um, but there appears to be a sort of informal pact going on where in seats like North Shrop- Shropshire, which is a by-election that's taking place this week because Patterson resigned, um, North Shropshire is a Tory stronghold. Um but Labour are not standing there and Lib Dems are sort of polled to to do better than Labour. So Labour are taking a seat back, not really putting any energy in it, into it at all. And so the idea there is that all of the people who would vote Labour would then, in theory, you know, a chunk of them would move over to the Lib Dems. Um, and they did it vice versa in, in another seat. I forget where it was. So there seems to be it's not a, a sort of um, progressive alliance yet, but it is in that territory. It's in that neighbourhood. And so I hope that that matures. I hope that that progresses to a point where, uh, you know, we're not just reverting back to 39% Labour, 40% Conservative, hung parliaments. Um, oh, there's a fresh face in, in Conservatives. Uh, so that must mean that we've got a clean slate now. Um, I hope that, as, as Femi always reminds us of on, on TikTok and, and Twitter and so on, uh, that the majority of Britain, although it doesn't feel like it, the majority of the UK actually vote for left-leaning progressive parties. I know that's that is difficult to believe, but it is true. Like if you look at the way that uh, that the, the actual voting figure, like how many times have we seen seats? Uh, Dominic Raab's constituency is a fantastic example of this. 
um, you have, let's say, I'm, I'm pulling these figures out of my arse now because I can't remember them off the top, but it is, it's not far off this, right? Uh, you have 9,000 people vote for Lib Dems. You have 8,000 people vote for Labour. So that would be 17,000 in total. And then Dominic Raab wins with 19,000, right? Or 20,000. So had the two left-leaning parties worked together or formed a progressive alliance, they would have smashed Dominic Raab out of the park. No chance. Absolutely. So it's this this idea of a progressive alliance um, or even some sort of informal pact like they appear to be doing um, is is... Well, it's obviously the way forward for uh, for progressive Britain, but it's also like, you know, if if we don't exploit some sort of tactic like that, we're just going to end up continuing to split the vote, and we'll be doomed to another ten years of Tory rule. Um. So yeah, I guess I guess my point there is that it's to 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 place a new face at the top of the Tory party. Uh, is going to change very little, I think, at this stage. What what we actually need is a sort of a full on, di- like, have, have you guys ever removed a tree from your house? <laughs> you know, you, like, you cut it down, and you're like, oh, wicked, okay, cool. Well, that's that gone. And then, like, three weeks later, you look back and it's fucking growing up. You're like, we need to, like, like, full on pull out the like the roots and you need to drill into the trunk and have a professional come round and like it we need a full on wholesale change of how this country is run but for now i would settle for just the labor party coming in and the reason that i feel that way is because yes we need wholesale change we need to deroot all of the rot that set in but that conversation will never ever even begin while there is a conservative government in power uh and you can definitely make the case that and as a friend of mine reminded me uh, this morning uh or not even reminded me i wasn't fucking aware of this but he he uh, clued me in if you like or suggested that uh, i think in canada and in other countries in europe where it is indeed a left-leaning um uh, government uh, that they are actually enacting similarly sort of authoritarian stuff. Now, I don't know if that's true. I'm just going on what he said. But, um, you know, I, I accept that if you did have a Labour government in power, um, there might be people who are super power hungry and just want to cling on to power and make it more difficult for the Conservatives to get in and so on. I could I could see those individuals rising up through the ranks and doing shit like that. Um, but the the conversation about electoral overhaul and making it fairer and first past the post all of these conversations that need to happen will not happen while there's a conservative government but while there's a labor government or if there were a labor government i i just think the conversation is infinitely more likely to at least start and so that's where my focus is is like we need to eject the tories from power first and then after that we form lobby groups and then we try to get these conversations to be taken seriously and at least to begin. Let's get a seat round the table and then we can start talking about the changes that we want to make. None of that shit starts until we all hoard together and actually get behind whoever the the main left candidate is. And in this case, it is Keir Starmer. And I know I get, I get a lot of stick for uh, for supporting Starmer. Um, obviously from from the far left of the Labour Party, who see uh, Jeremy Corbyn as this sort of, you know, tortured messiah, uh, this guy who was wronged, who was not supported by factions of his own party. And so he, then he wasn't able to secure power. And, and now this is their way of sort of writing that wrong, is uh, now that there is a centrist or centre-left uh, figure at the top of the Labour Party, that why should they support him when... Uh, we saying in inverted commas didn't support Jeremy Corbyn, and so you know uh, we we end up in this permanently aggrieved adversarial position where nothing is ever going to get them on side with us, and you know again we're looking at Labour splits and Labour factionalism. Um, and my response to that is is always uh, you're not going to get the changes that you want, whether it is super socialist far left policies or you know centre left. Um, you know, centristy stuff. You're not going to get any of that shit unless you club together and get a Labour government, whatever form that takes, 
in power. So look, I can't speak for what other people have said about Corbyn or explained like why they felt they could not vote for him. That's as far as I'm concerned, that's up to other people to explain. My thing is like, we need to get behind the Labour government right now and get them, oh, Labour government right now, uh, Labour, Labour Party right now, get them into power. And then you can form a lobby group and get your super socialist idea uh, at the table and, and make your case. Um, yeah, so that's 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 where I'm at with it. In case anybody gives a fuck. Um, last night we had uh, a big, important, super urgent eight pm address by Boris Johnson. Uh, off the back of the uh, Allegra Stratton, and then the, there was the video of him fucking hosting the quiz. I love this shit. I love I love the balls. I mean, it is pretty outrageous, isn't it? At this stage, how you can have a Prime Minister who says, oh, I was just as angry as you were. And we're going to launch a formal inquiry into why, you know, how this how this possibly could have taken place. And, you know, immediately there was questions about, well, how come you're only investigating that one party? You know, we already know there was like three, maybe four of them. So what what about the other dates? Why don't you just investigate them all? And, you know, that's putting aside the ridiculousness of the fact they had happened in his fucking house. It's like, oh, I don't know what took place in my house those days. I, I will launch an internal, private inquiry into it. Um, I, and then, you know, now we get, or what, Sunday morning was it? Late, late Saturday night? The, the footage of him hosting the fucking Zoom quiz comes out. People wearing tinsel and shit. Um, and you, I think it was David Allen Green that said yesterday that the inescapable conclusion that people will come to unless he provides us with some new information that justifies this sort of urgent 8pm address, is that he's he's panicking, that he's uh, he felt a need to look prime ministerial and statesmanlike and to get people on side. And the last time that that really happened was off the back of the vaccine bounce. The, right. So as, as things appeared to improve somewhat versus Delta with the vaccine uptake and and all of that, uh, then then now he's trying to sort of repeat that. Um, and I didn't even bother watching it last night. I don't know what the viewing figures were like. I'm, I'm not sure that's entirely important for a, a public health message. But but I remember thinking beforehand, like I was like, this smacks of a prime minister who, uh, you know, he's he's had a week of bad headlines again. And now he's got this dodgy footage of him that's leaked of him hosting the zoom quiz that he said he had no idea that was you know he's lied at the fucking dispatch box again about this shit he should have he should have resigned about 20 times now um and now now he it's it's like he's he's panicked he's had an awkward conversation with a few of his aides in number 10 and they've said you need to look prime ministerial you need to be you need to get the headlines back on to vaccines quick 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 and so he's gone right urgent urgent address pre-recorded 8 p.m tonight out it comes and do you know what's really depressing about it is all the fucking newspapers ran with it this morning. And there's no real, there's nothing new to it. Uh, there's nothing, there was no reason to do it. You could say, you could make the case that it's really important for people to get boosters because Omicron, and that's our best shot at the moment of minimising the impact of it. You could definitely make a case for that. But the fact that it's supposedly so urgent, the fact that it's so important to get this message out, uh, rather than rather rather than it just being a sort of diversionary tactic versus his political uh, missteps over last week, um, it, it sort of brings it home. I know I'm not articulating this very well. Sorry, uh, it's been a been a, a bit of a weekend mired in illness for me. So apologies for uh, fumbling my words today. But basically, if it's if it's just about public health, if it's just about giving people booster information on a Sunday night, which is important and you should do, right? Then why is it that we've run out of lap flow tests immediately off the back of this campaign? Like you would think they had, they would have put in orders and manufactured and had sufficient tests available, but we've instantly, on Monday morning, we've run out of lap flow tests, says that. And why is it that as soon as they made this announcement on Sunday night, 8 p.m., to say everyone needs to book their boosters now and they reduced the window, they said, oh, you can do it. If you've had, if it's been three months since your second jab, you can do it now. So get on there, get boosters now. Hashtag blah blah blah. Um, if it's if it's all honest and it's not just him politically posturing, 
then why the fuck is, is the NHS tech, like, they were not given a heads up on it. The NHS booster booking portal broke instantly, like it couldn't handle the fucking traffic. So they, they didn't give a heads up to the NHS tech guys. They ran out of lap flow tests. And I think, to me, that says pretty clearly this was something that was rushed out and panicked about. It's like, how can we move the dial quickly? How can we get the, the headlines off of your incompetence, Johnson? Well, quickly talk about vaccines again. Like, it stinks to high heaven of sort of, of, of like, media manipulation, doesn't it? And I can't believe that, the, like, the editors of these newspapers just, just play along with it. You know, like, wouldn't they... If you were editor of the, of the Mirror or you know, the mail, like one of these newspapers who have actually held him to account over the last month or two. And then it was so obvious that on a Sunday morning, he was like, right, well, better do an 8pm address. That, like, wouldn't you push back on it? Wouldn't you go, like, what, what the fuck? Like, yeah, we can run a thing about getting boosters, sure. But this is obviously you trying to divert attention away from your own fucking fuckery. Like, what are you, what are you playing at? You, wouldn't you dig deep? Wouldn't you go like, okay, so... You know, if you want people to book boosters, can you just confirm that you have, um, you've increased capacity for, you've scaled up lap flow tests, you've scaled up boosters, people aren't going to have a problem booking their boosters on the board, can you confirm all of that? But they don't seem to do that, They what they do is they just go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, thanks, yeah, well, we'll run that on page one, yeah, well done. And this morning, uh, like, all eight major newspapers in the UK all ran, like, their main headline was like, book your booster. I'm like, fuck's sake. Come on, guys. Like, <laughs> We're like two years into his weird media manipulation. Have we not picked up on the signs yet? You know what's strange, though, is like, even now, even now, after two years in, you still see people online and in your family and like your friends and stuff who are just like, yeah, well, he's doing his best, though, isn't he? He's doing his... It's just Boris just doing his best. He's been dealt a rough hand, you know, COVID. Nobody saw the pandemic coming. He's just doing his best, though, isn't he? You've got to leave him alone. It's just like... Like, do we ever stop to think... If, if you are one of those people, Boris is doing his best and so on. Do they ever stop to really consider that this burning turd shit vapour bin fire is his best? <laughs> you know, like, by saying... By saying, well, he's just doing his best, like, you, you're, you're tacitly sort of accepting and, nay, celebrating that this is his best. <laughs> and by the same logic, like, you could literally, you could put a certified moron in number 10 and, like, what, what would the reaction then be? Like, as, as, as Britain just burns to the ground through a series of sort of fuck-ups and missteps and saying the wrong thing, like, well, he's doing his best. I know he's a moron, but he's doing his best. That's all we can ask for, really. Don't you want somebody competent to be? No, no, this guy. And he's doing his best. That's all we need. I mean, it's... It's it's quite funny to observe in some ways, like, because... Uh, like, when other people get in trouble in number 10, like, I think it was two days ago, maybe three days ago now, Jack Doyle who is the communications chief of Number 10 Downing Street. Uh, Jack Doyle was rumoured, or confirmed maybe, I don't know, I'll say rumoured, just in case I get into legal problems, uh, rumoured to have appeared at one of these illegal Christmas parties, so broken the law, and he was there and he had a microphone and he was dishing out prizes and uh, hosting Secret Santa and, uh, and all of that shit. So he's there. So his, in my mind, his position is untenable, right? But Boris Johnson can't sack him because Boris Johnson at that point, three days ago, knows that Boris Johnson was also at a Christmas event uh, hosting a fucking Zoom quiz. So, so instead, faced with the choice of, of having to uh, uh, showcase some integrity or honesty or exercise some responsibility, Boris Johnson instead opts to say this. He says, uh, or he releases a statement that says, the Prime Minister has full confidence in Jack Doyle. Right? And bear in mind what I was saying a minute ago about, like, oh, he's doing his best, but he's a moron. Uh, like, how must that feel if you're chief of staff or communications chief in number 10 and, like, you're in trouble for doing something really fucking stupid and misguided and callous 
that's going to erupt, uh, you know, visceral feelings of, of anger and betrayal amongst, uh, you know, millions across the electorate. And then somebody says to you, oh, don't worry, like, the Prime Minister has full confidence. Like, the guy that nobody has confidence in. <laughs> no one has confidence in Boris Johnson any longer. Even people who used to be his cheerleaders are just like, I could not give you one reason, one selfless reason why he's in public service. He's not in public service to make the country better. He's just there to... Like, even his former cheerleaders are sort of distancing themselves from him because his, his shitness is so toxic at this point. Uh, what must that feel like if you're Jack Doyle and, so, you know, somebody goes, the Prime Minister, this, this guy over here has full confidence in you. Which, which guy? Oh, this guy over here. The guy that's fucking singing nursery rhymes while eating crayons. Oh, well, fucking great. He's got confidence in me. Yeah. Yeah, he says that you're his hero, Jack. Oh, fucking amazing. The guy who no one has confidence in has confidence in you. That must, that's quite an accolade. It's like, I I sort of put it down to, uh, uh, like when I used to do stand-up, and occasionally you would meet people who would, like, watch your comedy videos, and then they would say, like, you bump into them at a gig, and they would go, oh, I love your stuff, man. Yeah, no, it's really funny. Oh, it's really cool, man. Oh, I love it. I love, yeah, no, it's really funny. Yeah, I love your videos. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so funny. Yeah, really good. And then you get talking to them and like two minutes later and you'd say, oh, so who else are you into? And they'd go, oh, I love Russell Kane. You're like, great, fucking great. It's like, it's that same energy. Like, yeah, you have confidence in me. Oh, cool, but. Like, what else do you have confidence in? The, the colour purple. Great. Cheers. Complete, like, empty praise. Um, what's next, though? What's next at this, at this stage of the, uh, of the electoral cycle? I keep, keep referencing that. But it is a cycle, you know? We had, we had the 2019 election. Boris Johnson won with a stonking 80-seat majority. And in two years, not only has that... No, it's not vanished, obviously. He's still got his 80 seats there. Um, But confidence in him has completely collapsed. Um, His approval rating is at minus 39 now, which is just unbelievable. Uh, And there is not one day that goes by where there isn't some... It's like that period for Theresa May where nothing seemed to go right for her. Like, once you've... Once you've kind of decimated the trust between you and the newspapers or you and the general public, like nothing really seems to get you out of it. It's a bit like when you start a job and it starts off okay, And then over the course of, you know, a week or five weeks or two months, like you've had a few fuck ups. And then it's like the, the spotlight is on you. Like anything you do that is slightly wrong at that stage is just like, oh, great. AIDS fucked it up again well how how many times have we got to clean up after this guy but at that point like all you did was fucking use the wrong greeting on an email or or uh you know forget to send something like at five to five so you sent it at like nine forty the next day you know like they're just little things that in isolation would actually be quite forgivable but now you've built up this reputation for yourself as a fuck up now it's like there's it it all just becomes this catalogue of fuckery until eventually you are rejected and and I feel like that's where Johnson is now. And it's the same place where Theresa May was before, where if it wasn't a sort of, you know, a, a frog in her throat sort of cough at the party conference, then it was, um, no, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And if it wasn't that, then it was, you know, something else and or an awkward interview. It was just this succession of fucking awful media moments for her. Um, and I think that, like, Johnson's in that that period now of his leadership and it's come around a lot quicker for Boris Johnson and it sort of speaks to um to the same sort of thing as as Ian Dunt's uh, article a couple of years ago touched on which was um he I think he was talking about Brexit and he was saying like you know Theresa May was gobbled up and spat out by Brexit uh and then Boris Johnson is the next one who will be served up and gobbled up and spat out by Brexit uh and it, actually, no, I think maybe I'm butchering it a bit. I think it was something like Boris Johnson is the next prime minister to be fed to the Brexit machine or, or something like that. 
Um, and although I don't necessarily think Brexit has gobbled him up and spat him out, uh, it is sort of the same process, isn't it? It's the same timeline where, what, you know, he comes in, it's a fresh face and he's celebrated as someone who can get things done and positivity and optimism. And yes, it's great to be British and all that shit. All the flags, all the poppies, uh, Churchillian, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and now we're at the, the, the tail end of that process, which is people being fed up. They don't find him funny anymore. They're fed up with the incompetence, the dishonesty, the being lied to, the feeling like there's one rule for them and so on. Um, uh, and it's 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 happened with him a lot quicker than Theresa May. I wonder if it will happen even quicker for the next person that takes this uh, largely thankless top job. It's been funny, though, like seeing the polls shift. Um, like in the last in the last six months, we've gone from pretty steady, boring, depressing polling of like Labour 39 percent, Conservatives 40 percent. And you're just like, oh, God, you know, like and this will follow like news stories about immigrant kids, asylum seeker kids dying in the channel because Pretty Patel's policy criminalised helping asylum seekers sinking in the channel. Like something along those lines. And then it'll be like Labour 40, Conservatives 39. And you're like, really? Kill it, murdering kids in the English Channel gets you a one point lead, which immediately is gobbled up again a week later, back to where it was. Uh, Hancock getting ejected from the health secretary position for breaking his own rules, having it away, having an affair, cheating on his wife and leaving his kids in the middle of the night. Um, that is, is a, 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 you know, it's in the same neighbourhood as a lot of this second jobs and one rule for them stuff. And even that didn't move the dial. Uh, it's just been in the last eight weeks that things have started to move in a really positive direction for Labour. Um, and there was a lot of talk when it was 39% uh, that, uh, like, from, from the far left uh, and, and also from the sort of centre-right, the more reasonable <laughs> conservatives, uh, where they would say, well, you know what? Labour need to give us a reason to vote Labour, OK? It's not enough to just stand up there and say, we're not the Tories. We need a reason to vote Labour. And now Labour are, like, nine points ahead in the polls, in fucking YouGov polls, of all. Um, and now those same people are just like, yeah, well, it's just people voting against the Tories, though, isn't it? That's, it's just people voting against the Tories. They're angry at Boris Johnson, so they're voting against the Tories. They're not voting for Labour. And I'm like, well, hang on a second, which is it? Because when they were on 39%, you said they need to give people a reason, and that's why the dial never moves. They're always stuck on 39 or 40%. Now they're soaring ahead... And they're on like, like 49 percent and the Tories are really trailing. Now you're like, oh, well, they're just voting against the Tory. Like, and that's that's before we even get onto the subject of, um, you know, when people say like, oh, you need to give people a reason to vote Labour. They can't just be I don't want to vote for the Tories. But then when you ask those same people, why did you vote Tory? They turn around and go, well, it's better than Labour, isn't it? <laughs> Like, that's their reason for voting Tory, is they're not Labour. But if you say, like, why wouldn't you vote Labour? Well, they need to give us a reason. They've got to be really specific. Like, what the fuck? Like, it can't be both. Those, do you understand how paradoxical you sound when you say that shit? You sound fucking moronic. Oh, getting on a right rant now. Um, I think the next thing that we're going to start seeing, uh, shall I say it again? In the electoral cycle. Um, it's not really the electoral cycle, actually. The, the, the next thing that we're going to see in the Tory leadership cycle will be the heavy hitters publicly distancing themselves from Johnsonism, if that is the word. Um, I think you're going to start seeing people like Priti Patel, Dominic Raab, Matt Hancock, Sajid Javid, you know, all of the big names from the, like the four or five like serious you know, big posts, foreign secretary, health secretary, um, home secretary and so on. I think you're going to start seeing them distancing themselves from Boris Johnson's policies and time in office. 
Uh, and I think we need to cling on to the memories. I know it's not easy because the news cycle moves so fucking quickly now that shit that happened like eight weeks ago, like the second jobs thing, the Patterson scandal. Um, it seems like a distant memory now. Like who who can even remember half the shit that happened? Like everyone was so angry about it. Like there was a guy that there was the, the ex attorney general who was representing a, a tax avoiding thing and he was spending half of his time over in cuba was it see what i mean like i can barely remember the specifics of it now um and then there was patterson himself who was lobbying on behalf of uh his the, the people who were donating to his office i think um but for the most part there were you know it, it sort of starts to fade into the background and you forget half the shit so we really have to work hard at remembering this stuff so that when patel and rob and hancock and so on when they do start to distance themselves and pretend that they had nothing to do with any of this shit, that we have to be there to stand and, and remind them, well, no, hang on a second. You were absolutely fucking core components of this horrible period where people were stripped of their citizenship, like fucking yesterday. Um, you know, Pretty Patel's uh, latest bill has the power or affords the authorities the, the, the power uh, to cancel people's citizenship. And this is done in the name of of uh, like home security, not home security, sorry, of uh, like national security and um, uh, uh, and as though it's sort of protecting people. But we know that it's not going to be used to protect people. We know that actually it's going to be used in a sort of punitive, um, maybe punitive is not the right word. It's not really money related, is it? But like it's, it's going to be done in this sort of um, vengeful uh uh, like dog whistly, you know, nationalistic way. It's going to be like, well, if they do X, then we'll just cancel their citizenship. Um, but I know that when they, they go for these leadership roles, you're going to see Pretty Patel on Question Time, or you're going to see Dominic Raab and Hancock, like all in a leadership debate, and they're going to distance themselves from this shit. You're going to see fucking Pretty Patel attempt to rebrand herself as a fucking Care Bear and be all like, you know, hug a hoodie and... Um, compassionate conservatism and uh and we can't can't buy it for a second because we know from experience with david cameron with theresa may that once these motherfuckers get in power the machine kicks in so even though they personally might hold certain views like william haig for example while he was in a position to actually influence matters i.e leader of opposition he he fucking didn't say shit but now that he's out of frontline politics, now suddenly he's like, we need to talk about drug legalization. Well, fucking great. Thanks a lot. Now you're basically retired and tapping a gold golf ball around on the golf course and sipping fucking daiquiris. Now we need to talk. Oh, yeah, thanks. Cool. Maybe put a word word in the shell like of your mates who are still in Westminster and you might actually affect some change. Um, it's it's yeah, oh, I'm going to stop myself there before I go off on a real rant. Um. So, yeah, so that's that's where we're at at the moment. We've had we've had prime minister's questions last week where he was where Boris Johnson was um, uh, was angry at the video. He was as angry at the video as we were. Uh, we had Allegra Stratton um, resigning outside her house. Uh, the one thing I didn't mention today that I, I think I touched on last week in an episode was how we like I marvel at the sympathy that we're supposed to extend to somebody like Allegra Stratton when she loses her 120k a year job as fucking advisor to the prime minister or, you know, uh, public representative or, or whatever the fuck it was that she was supposed to be. Uh, actually, I think she went into COP26, didn't she? Um, she took a back seat from that public representative role. Um, but we're supposed to extend sympathy to her for having been put through this tabloid frenzy and the most hated woman in Britain for 24 hours and losing her job and stuff. We're supposed to look at her and and feel sorry for her, uh, even though this is the same woman who stands on a podium and laughs and scoffs while the rest of the country are in like tier three and tier four restrictions and you're fucking dying grandpa. Like, where's the sympathy there? <laughs> you know, that was a point I never really got to truly get across i don't think in in last week's uh, episodes while this was all kicking off but anyway back to the sort of summary that we're going through here so allegra stratton uh, resigned um and now we're into this sort of period of how do we eject boris johnson um and, and what does that mean do we end up in a situation where we get a more palatable uh conservative with a small c 
um, I think it was Jim Felton who uh, a couple of episodes ago referred to Rishi Sunak as a sort of people psychopath, <laughs> uh, which I think nails it. You know, I think he'll be positioned and uh, maneuvered in to the top spot, um, or at least he will end up as a, a you know a major player in in the leadership debates. Uh, but he's he's just going to be the face on the front of that same machine, that same machine that is um, uh, dictated to and controlled by this um, this sort of huge uh, apparatus of uh, donors and think tanks and power and influence and classism. And, you know, it, it, it really kind of makes very little difference who you have at the top uh, to a greater or lesser extent. Like, obviously, you can have somebody like Boris Johnson at the top who will lie and cause you greater problems than you ordinarily would have done. Uh, you can have his incompetence and sort of haphazard way of, of, of leading and refusing to answer questions in a, in a straightforward manner and inability to govern. Um, but in terms of the actual, like, what you can achieve when you are prime minister... Uh, just going back to the William Hague example, you could hold certain opinions, but that the, the apparatus behind you that, that creates these sort of constructs and has all this influence with donor money coming in and, and think tanks and, um, uh, and so on, um, that is, I, I don't know how much you can change that as a conservative leader. Um, and so I think we need to be, yeah, we, we need to be really careful about who they position in next and, and not forget the stuff that they've done over the last, like, 10 or 12 years. Um, I think, will that do for a summary, guys? Is that enough? Um, I think we're, we're going to leave it there. These, these episodes are actually normally about sort of, like, 35, 40 minutes long because it is just me talking. So uh, if you've listened to this in its entirety, 51 minutes of me chatting to myself... Um, I don't have a prize for you um, other than to say thank you uh, for listening. And I will be back this Friday night with a very special guest, Mr. Dane Baptiste. Uh, you would have seen him. Uh, he's, he's got a comedy show on iPlayer called Bamus. Uh, he was in uh, he had a sitcom on BBC three, I think, uh, called Sunny D. Um, and he's been on like he's been on all the stand up shows and shit and uh, uh, panel shows on TV. I know him sort of from back in the day when I did stand up and he's a really cool guy. Um, looking forward to having a chat with him Friday night, half past seven, live stream on YouTube, and it'll be out for Patreons on Saturday. Uh, and then it'll be out on iTunes and Spotify on the Sunday. So uh, if you've been listening all the way through, thanks again. Um, and, and thanks again for, for those of you uh, continuing to support the podcast on Patreon. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. Cheerio. Goodbye.